Massacre on Straight to the Core Podcast. What is going on, ladies and germs? It is Matt Massacre here, as always, your host for another episode of Straight to the Core Podcast, and this is part four of our Death Metal Diaries, a 90s death metal retrospective miniseries where our friends from Australia, Stephen O'Brien and Paul O'Brien of Eons Abyss, take over the podcast to talk about some iconic death metal albums from the 1990s. And I say part four, meaning that it's not going to be the last part. I uh, We, we kind of talked it out. I talked to the guys in Eons Abyss. And uh, there's just so many albums. I wrote down quite a few. I think I wrote down 12 more albums. We've already talked about nine. We're going to talk about three more today. And I could think of 12 more albums that deserve just as much uh, recognition for what they meant to music, what they meant to death metal, and what they meant in that era of death metal in the 90s. So we're going to put a little pin in it. Uh, We'll definitely come back to more uh, parts of this miniseries in the future. And then uh, we kind of talked about maybe touching other genres. So I don't know if the next time Steve and Paul come back to take over the podcast, if we're going to be talking about death metal, 90s death metal to be specific, or if we're going to talk about something else. Uh, it's it's kind of in the works. We're kind of uh, brainstorming a little bit with each other. And we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. But this is definitely not the last time you guys will hear Steve and Paul from Eons Abyss on this podcast. And uh, it's really cool to have these guys be a part of this um, I can't thank them enough. Uh, the first time I contacted the guys in Eon's Abyss was was probably over a year ago now, and both Steve and Paul have been astronomical when it comes to support for this podcast in many different ways, um, one of which being Stephen O'Brien, great guy that he is. He, uh, he does written reviews for the Australian podcast, uh, company or web series or I don't know what you would call it exactly what the right terminology is but noob heavy noobheavy.com if you're unfamiliar with noob heavy they are a official affiliate of straight to the core podcast and carcass bomb the owner operator jack of all trades master of none mastermind behind that is noob behind all that is noob heavy I mean I don't really know how to classify noob heavy because carcass bomb does everything he has his own podcast if you want to check that out um, just search up Noob Heavy on all of your favorite streaming services. It'll pop right up. He does he does his own podcast, which is amazing. And in one of his first episodes, he actually credited me as being an inspiration, which has warmed my heart. It's awesome to hear shit like that. Um, but Stephen O'Brien, he does written reviews for the NoobHeavy.com review section on the website. And like I said, Noob Heavy does a lot of stuff. They do uh, PR work, uh, reviews. The podcast, like I said, they do everything. So I don't really, I don't really know what to call Noob Heavy without it being wrong, because there's so much stuff that Noob Heavy can provide for you as a band if you're interested in PR campaigns or getting your music reviewed. Um, by all means, hit up Noob Heavy. Go to NoobHeavy.com, Facebook, Instagram. Doesn't matter. Hit me up. I can point you in the right direction. Uh, before I get too far off track, um, I mentioned that Stephen Paul and Eons Abyss as a whole have been such huge supporters of this podcast. Uh, Stephen O'Brien, he does um, he does written reviews on NoobHeavy.com. And a little uh, mutual collaboration, we had the Danish band Dathus uh, on, on one of the parts here for this miniseries. I think it was part one, to be exact. And um, Steve actually went and reviewed their album 
on Noob Heavy. And I thought that was really cool how the collaboration works and how this whole miniseries um, worked and, and how it, I don't know, I like to see the underground support in the underground in many different ways. And it's just really, really awesome. So if you're interested in seeing that review, go to noobheavy.com. Uh, just search up Steve from Eons Abyss, I think. It should, all of his articles should pop up, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, if not, I'll, I'll share the link here soon. I'll share the link on our social media channels. Um, if you guys want to read that, it's a, it's a solid review. Um, Noob Heavy and, and Steve do a lot of reviews as a whole. Um, I know Steve isn't the only person that does reviews on Noob Heavy. So if you're in a band or if you're a band that's been a part of this miniseries and you happen to be tuning into part four, um, and you're, and, you're, and you're interested, excuse me, <laughs> on having some of your music reviewed, by all means, go to noobheavy.com. Make sure you tell them Matt Massacre from Street to the Core sent you. I know they'll appreciate it because they've been a huge supporter of me and definitely support those guys as well. Um, yeah, before I get too far too far off track, let me slow down my brain here for a second. Jesus. We got three more fantastic, iconic classic death metal albums of the 90s and this week we are talking about bolt throwers war master entombed with left hand path and the almighty carcass with their album necroticism discanting the insalubrious 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 i can never say that word i can read it just fine but speaking nah um i just call it necroticism uh for short the carcass album it's a great album they all came out in the 90s of course i think they all came out let me look real quick I think the War Master from Bolt Thrower came out in 1990. I believe it was 1990. No, February of 91. Um, and Tomb's Left Hand Path came out in June of 1990. And the Carcass album Necroticism came out in October of 91. So again, 1991 represents one thing I've been really proud of. <laughs> um, doing this whole thing is that so many iconic death metal albums came out in 1991. And with this discussion piece, it's the same as last week where myself and Steve and Paul kind of talk about these three albums. And going forward, I imagine it would be us three, because the first two parts were kind of just... Uh, um, it was only supposed to be those first two parts. And I kind of briefly touched on that on part three, about the fact that uh, the first two parts was going to be all that it was. And then the guys thought of six more albums they wanted to talk about, and I'm like, well, shit, I want to be a part of it. <laughs> you know, so that's how that happened. Um, but... With those three albums, we have five more modern underground death metal bands to show you guys this week on part four. And this week is 100% international. What I mean by that, this podcast is based in Illinois, US of A, and every band that you're going to hear tonight on part four of Death Metal Diaries is not from the United States, which is super cool. I didn't plan it that way. Coincidentally, um, that's just how it worked. <laughs> um, but this week... We have Last Wretch from Ontario, Canada with their track Dead as Fuck. We have Becoming the Entity from Mexico City, Mexico with their track Suspended in Violence. And then we have Symptomy, Symptomy, which is a combination band. They have members from the Czech Republic and the UK. And then we have Disburied from Colombia. And last but certainly not least, we have Omnivortex from Helsinki, Finland. Um... But the sim oh before I get too far ahead of myself, I forgot to mention the tracks for, for the last three bands. So Sim to Me, which is the combination Czech UK band, their track The Taste of Human Trophy will be played here tonight. Disparied from Colombia with their track Sir Center, and Om Omnivortex from Finland with their track Cephalic Fluid Extraction. 
My brain went a little too fast there. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great episode, great part four, um, great conversation coming up. And at the end of the episode, we uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure if we're going to go with it. Um, we might have a little treat from Ian's Abyss at the end after all these guys get played through and uh, do a little do a little featurette, if you will, of Eons Abyss, in case some of you guys have heard of the band but haven't had time to really give them a listen yet, Eons Abyss, they're great musicians, so we might play a little something from them, too, as well tonight, to kind of sign off here on on this era, I guess, if you will, of Death Metal Diaries, there definitely will be more to come here in the future, uh, before I get too far ahead of myself, I think we're going to get right into this conversation on Death Metal Diaries Part 4, so without further ado, enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Part four of the uh, Quotes in the Air Death Metal Diaries with my friends from Down Under. Uh, Fifteen hours ahead of me, might I add. They're in a totally, totally different day. Uh, so my name, of course, is Matt Massacre, and I'll let these guys introduce themselves. So I'm Paul, the vocalist from Eons Abyss. And I am Steve. I do the music for Eons Abyss. All right, so this is the final part of this little series who knows there may be more down the track if people Could be like more. this Could be more. <laughs> and I maybe think do Matt- a different genre next time it would be really interesting to hear different people's takes on it because it's just yeah. i don't know it seems like a self-indulgent thing to do but i actually really like hearing people's <laughs> people's um reminiscing over what uh, has inspired them and especially different genres would be awesome that yeah for sure yeah especially some stuff maybe Matt, that's more relevant for when you were growing up, which was probably a time when Paul and I maybe stepped out of listening to metal for a little bit. It could bit, be, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting too because it's funny, um, so many for us iconic albums of this era, but it also fits with a time in our life when, you know, we we're obviously going to be finding those albums. So you just wonder how much of it is about the period and or how much it was about yourself, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's all relative, I think. It'll be good to hear from other people what their take on or what their metal journey has been. Yeah, well, I hear from I hear some people say that, uh, for instance, that Countdown to Extinction is their favourite Megadeth album because that was the first one they heard. Yeah, right. And we're like, right. when that came out, we were all like, nah, I'm not listening to Megadeth anymore. That's a sellout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They've gone the Metallica Black Album route sort of That's thing. It. That's what it felt right. like, didn't it? You know, if, if you like Metallica Black, we're going to fight you. That was basically <laughs> our, <laughs> our motto back in the day. Yeah. All right. So, speaking of a band that certainly hasn't gone down that Metallica Black <laughs> motto ever, the next <laughs> album that we're going to talk about is The Mighty Bolt Thrower with their 1991 classic War Master. And before I throw over to you, Paul, yeah. I'll just read something from someone I found on the internet who does a, a website called Astral Noise who summed it up beautifully. He said, Bolt Thrower is like being caught in the middle of a war. War Master is like the gruesome aftermath when the true horror of what's just happens start to sink in as you survey the piles of bloodied corpses and spent shells around you. Yeah, that is just, we might as well stop there. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boltra, um, yeah, they're just such a consistent band. Um, their theme's always the same. It's always about 
War and um, the War Fantasy game, I think it is, Bolt Thrower, yep. isn't it? Or one of the characters from a War Fantasy. Well, they, Mo- the World of Warcraft, isn't tank. it? Yes. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. But they just took that theme and and created all the albums that they did, which you'd think might be a problem because there might be some sameness to those albums, but they're, each of them is a unique beast. Each song is a unique take because, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff to talk about with war. Um, this was our first introduction to Bolt Thrower. And it was compelling from the very outset. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> they have got their their music. Well, it's funny that we talk, that you talk about Metallica and the Black Album because to me, in terms of, and this is going to sound probably bullshit, but um, to me, they're like a death metal equivalent of what Metallica were like before the Black Album in terms of they had this music that was really sort of primal and it would really hook you all the time and just yeah. relentlessly hit you. Um, and then the vocals fitted that musical sound absolutely perfectly and just were consistently smashing it out too, which is what this album does, which is what all their albums do, with the possible exception of when Carl Willits wasn't there, which was a yes. big shame because he was such an important sound or well, part of their soundscape. But Absolutely. um yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a great album and this and a great band. Um but yeah, just again it's it has its moments of speed, but it's actually more in the slower melodic bits that it really gets you, this album, and a very different aesthetic to any other death metal band. Yeah. That um the the thing I liked too was they, they had their trademark hooks. They had that double snare beat that they used to intro certain songs, yeah. which returned in other songs. Yeah. So, you know, um, the beauty of that was it was something to look forward to on each album yeah. uh, or, or where they did it. And also when they played live, you didn't know which song it was going to be. Speaking of which, we had the pleasure of actually seeing them live. Was it 92? 93. Ah, oh, right. Oh, I wish. Oh, the man. Spearhead, the Spearhead uh, Assault Tour. Oh, the Prince man, of Wales and just, St Kilda. That was, that was phenomenal. It was probably... Probably one of the best concerts I've ever been to. The room was small, yeah. I remember, and I, I just remember there was a big, um, like a pillar in the middle yeah. of the room, and everyone was like, I remember just being on top of every, like crowd surfing, being passed around the room. It was it was just intense. That was an intense. And it was funny actually because they did have that. <laughs> something broke down. They had technical difficulties in the middle of the of the actual show, but it still. <laughs> It was almost just a pause to get your breath. <laughs> yeah, it was a cauldron. It was so intense, and that and their music lends itself so well to play live because it's got that just relentless wave of person after per- well, soldier after soldier going over the trenches. Really, is what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the only thing I say the only thing better than listening to Bolt Thrower is listening to Bolt Thrower live. <laughs> there you go. Now, Matt. We've, uh, we've, uh, as you can see, we've waxed quite lyrical about uh, Bolt Thrower. What do you right. think? <laughs> uh, well, Bolt Thrower, it's, it's a band that I really didn't, I wouldn't say discover, like I knew of them, but I didn't really give a chance until probably when I was in my 20s, early 20s. Because I always, and I, I've learned that this is pretty commonplace, is that I just assumed they were a power metal band because of the, yeah. the, the album covers and the way the logo is. And I remember listening to him the first time, like, this isn't fucking, what the hell is this? (laughs) (laughs) 
And then that's when I fell in love. I'm like, okay, talk about like, don't judge a book by its cover. Jesus Christ. This yeah. is intense. <laughs> but this yeah. album, it it's, it's one I I've dabbled in. I don't really know it front to back. Yep. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's crazy how these albums are as old as I am. That's what blows me the way the most is that cause you can listen to these albums and you can pick out little, nuances that bolt thrower does and you're like oh hey i've heard that in this band i've heard that in that band i've heard that in this band and it's like you could really tell how much of an influence bolt thrower has on metal as a whole they seem to be getting more of a um it's almost it's not quite death like but they're getting more of a reputation after the fact aren't they, they I are. reckon. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah the other thing too that used to be quite the talking point back in the day was they had a female bass player in joe, joe bench, bench. yeah Metal, when when we were kids, again, I, I always, you know, obviously this series is about the 90s, but seriously, there was very, very few females in the metal, mm. like compared to today. Mm. Yeah. Um, you can so, imagine back, thinking back then about female vocalists singing death metal yeah. like you've been, <laughs> Right. Yeah, but they certainly have proved how well they can do it. And, you know, their commitment to hev- just heaviness and war, those two themes, mm. that was it, unrelenting. And look, Carl Willits has carried that over today with Memoriam, mm. which is again great band. Mm. I really, really like their stuff. It's it's it is like a bolt thrower, but with a modern edge, and also I guess it's a little bit um, freed to a degree of some of those constraints that bolt, bolt thrower put on themselves as well. So, looking forward to their new album this year. Yeah, absolutely. I love what I'm bolt thrower did. That out, yeah. The way that they, you know, they. <sighs> Built up, and then their final album was oh probably it was it was the perfection of what they were trying to achieve. I reckon. Yes, I agree. It really was. Those yeah. ones loyal. So if you want to listen to two bolt throw albums, well, fuck, you can listen to all of them. Really, how would you decide? Really, but you we're talking about order. Warmaster. But you got to listen to those ones loyal as well, which oh. is was their final their final offering, and it's just it's as I said, it's the the consummation of their style. Yeah, that's the mic drop. Walk out the room, say, "Here you go." And and they recognise it too. I reckon. I yeah. reckon they're just going, "Yep, yeah, we've done it. That's what we wanted to achieve." Move on. So, <laughs> memoriam with Carl Willits. And that's well, the only thing you could have done really was to you yeah. had to do something different, which is what he's done. It still has that. He, it still suits him perfectly the way Bolt Thrower did, but it's different and it had to be. Yeah. Also, I think um, they, I think they, they made the deliberate choice too. After, I think it was their drummer passed away. Yeah, right. As, as well, they, oh. they, 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 it was almost like in honor of him as well. Right. That they said, okay, we're hanging up the bolt thrower boots now. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to. The next album, which again, one that probably needs no introduction. No. Uh, entombed. <laughs> Left Hand Path. The classic from um, 1990, coming out of uh, Sunlight Studio in Stockholm, Sweden. Paul. Uh, where do we start? Let's start with Entombed <laughs> themselves. They are obviously iconic and rightfully so. Um, went on after this album to create absolute classics and yet this is probably would be considered their finest release 
just where the hell this came out of, you know, we can talk about a Florida death metal scene, but they created their own genre, really, didn't they, with what they did with this album. Mm-hmm. Um, from everything from what's, you know, typically called the, the buzzsaw sound to their guitars, which to me is more like an Arctic blast, really. <laughs> it has got this, again, the Northern European um, starkness to this album. Um, almost, almost napalm death-like in terms of you get music that comes out of the buzzy noise yeah. that they created, and yet the riffs, my God, the the melody through it is yeah. is amazing. I mean, obviously, as they then stepped back and showed us uh, in your face with Wolverine Blues, but it's there in this album and certainly in Clandestine as well. Um, so it's just got everything. I mean, I think I, I might have said in an earlier podcast uh, of this series that, um, you know, there were blokes who'd go, oh, I can't get into Entomb because so many people rip them off. It's like, yeah, they rip them off for a reason because they're <laughs> fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> right. Um, in fact, and then, and then listening again, so LG Petrov, vocals in this album and in vocals in general for Entombed, he's, he's got to be considered you know, quite possibly the best death metal vocalist of all time. Just with his variety, with his power, um, with what he's able to achieve. But on this album, you've got to listen to this album just for the vocals alone to hear what he was able to do. Because if you do, you'll hear not only that European take on death metal vocal style, particularly in his low tone, but you hear what subsequent... Norwegian black metal bands, I'm thinking mm-hmm. Mayhem and, and I've talked about Dead, the vocal, the original vocalist of Mayhem before and how awesome he was, but his um, high sort of um, abysmal screams, LG Petrov was doing that in this album and I actually yeah. reckon a lot of those right. blokes were just, you know, they couldn't match what they were doing, they were doing a different take on it, but they certainly were paying homage to him in that vocal style. So it's got it all. It's got it all. The only downside to this album, <laughs> and I say that with very much with tongue in cheek, is it starts with what is probably the greatest death metal song of all time. I just uh, took <laughs> the words right out of my mouth. And so you can go through half the album and you're still reminiscing over Left Hand <laughs> <laughs> which is a shame because all of the tracks deserve full sort of attention. Yeah, yeah. Right. It is a great album. What's your take on it, Matt? Uh, Left Hand Path. This album is one of my favorite albums of all time. Of all time. And I've had friends of mine that are even younger than me. Um, they're friends or people that know me that know I'm really deep into a love affair with metal. And they're like, what's some good death metal albums? Left Hand Path. <laughs> Left Hand Path all day. And kind of to kind of piggyback on what Paul said, the title track, Left Hand Path, the opening track, is one of the greatest opening tracks on an album ever ever and i just i worshipped this album in high school worshipped it absolutely worshipped it and um between that and wolverine blues i mean wolverine blues is 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 phenomenal as well but this one is the first one i discovered and yeah 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 wolverine blues has a heaviness to it doesn't it oh yeah Yeah. a groove that just that yeah yeah the groove and even vocals on um wolverine blues and just think of the contrast in styles you'd think they were different vocalists yeah. And yet, yeah. 
and and it's sort of that really groovy way that he's singing. But then at times he'll stop and he'll pull it back and he'll just rip at you. I'm thinking like a song like In the Blood where he's just, <laughs> you know, it's still there, that aggression, but he's just such control and such variety with what he can do with his voice. It's just, yeah, spellbinding. Now, Matt, go on. You had something else you were going to say. Well, I was going to say kind of to also piggyback on what Paul was saying about the buzziness of it all. Like when I first heard it, it's almost like I know it was made, it was released in 91 or 1990. And it's like you listen to it, and it's like hard to believe that it isn't like computer generated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. The, the, the way that they captured both the sound of this guitar setup that literally was just everything maxed out. Mm-hmm. They had. PV amps, you know, um, heavy metal, HM2 pedals, all just maxed. But then they 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 coated the sound with this uh, this reverb as well that just it just made this it created this space in the mix, which um, gave gave the sound like a vastness as well. So it it just it sounded almost like it sounded like the album cover. It has this, you know, this ethereal type feel to it, but it's evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the other thing they did too, which was great, was they just brought in that synth. Yes. A lot of of deliberateness in the way they made that sound and it's just, you know, and and we know, um, like you said, Matt, like, the, the whole process of, of recording nowadays, you've got a lot of time, you've got a lot of options, you've got, you've got computers involved. Mm-hmm. They made this all on tape. This is all, you right. know, this is, this, this, is, this is a masterpiece mm-hmm. in every sense of the word, both in terms of the music and the way they captured it. Mm-hmm. And its legacy still carries on. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know, I, I haven't read enough to hear, and I know that there was a lot of, um, so obviously at the moment, <laughs> I'm quite interested in the Norwegian black metal scene, but and obviously they're almost a um, a reaction to the death metal scene. But there still is mm. a lot of influence from Entombed over what they do in terms of the try- different different lands or sort of soundscapes that they were trying to create. Um, yeah, yeah. This this was the first time it was ever done, I reckon. Yeah. The legacy will continue to grow. There'll be more right. more bands going to that cross in Sweden or wherever wherever yeah. it was where they took that famous photo. Yeah, this is this oh, is another right. band. Yeah. It's like a mecca, isn't it? Everyone's got to get there at least once in your lifetime. That's it. This is one of the few, I was going to say Entombed is one of the few bands that I've actually been able to see live. But it was an Entombed AD. I, don't, I know there's a weird, a weird kind of how a Morbid Angel and I yep. am Morbid. Yeah, yep. weird two band name i don't know which version of entombed i saw yeah but it was still fun nonetheless the petrov yeah the petrov okay yeah yeah Yeah. there you go and that was again a shame that um obviously that ultimately that happens and things happen but right um i'm thinking more immediately for clandestine which was the follow-up album to this one where um obviously they had a falling out with lg petrov and uh again um, was it? I think was it was it the drummer who stepped up to did to do vocals in um, Clandestine. I think it was, and does a great job. But to think of what would have been with his vocals in it as well, because I love that album too. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What a great, what a great band. What musicians? It's a great band. Oh period. my yeah. god. 
We'll move on to the last album of our series, which was a band that had massive influence on us Definitely. as kids. Um, Carcass, Necrotism, Descanting the Insalubrious, which <laughs> was a 91 release. Earache uh, came out of uh, Earache. Colin Richardson was the producer, um, and it saw the band transition from pure grindcore yep. to this really intelligent tech death um, music but that still had all the hallmarks of what they did previously. Definitely. Complex song structures, really cool, well-thought-out interludes and intro intros all around pathology and, and death. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of thought in the in the way they crafted the album to the point where they actually, if you, if you read the, the liner notes within the album, they've given each guitar solo a name. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no, um, you know, famous riffs and hooks like um, the drum patterns for Corporal Jigsaw Quandry, that double mm. bass patterning, mm. which again – you know, built on the, the, this double bass, the, the fact that the double bass could be a really important part of of, of the of the um, the song. Um, Paul, yeah, I'll throw it to you. Um, so I think I spoke earlier in maybe episode one that how um, "Blessed of the Sick" is my favourite ever album, but this one is it's equal and equally cherished. It's probably uh, sorry, personal anecdotes, but this is probably. Um, the album that I've most obsessed over of all time. Just play this album and at the time and just play it again. <laughs> Unable to stop, really. Um, such was its influence. Um, I, I still think it's the most complete death slash grindcore album I've ever heard. Um, because of the things you've talked about, Steve. So even the, the interludes, the segues, um, just perfectly constructed, perfectly suit what the music was then going to produce. Um, and as, as we've said, as we've seen with Pestilence, Testament of the Ancients, a lot of bands were doing these little interludes at the time, but these ones were almost a step up in terms of how they fit with what the overall feel of this album would be. And, Again, too, moving on from um, Reek of Putrefaction and Symphonies of Sickness, they took the disturbing tone of those albums um, that they had and just polished it enough to make it <laughs> more obviously um, musical. Uh, it's just absolute perfection. <laughs> um, even vocal styles, like um, to have two vocalists, with Bill and Jeff, and both of them have got very distinct vocal styles as well. Like Jeff's sort of mid-high, I don't know, it's almost, it's somewhere between death metal and black metal and grindcore, but not quite any of them. Um, and then Bill Steers just utter abysmal low voice. <laughs> they just work segue so well together. They harmonise beautifully. Um, and putting that all together with, you know, what the music was achieving, I think without, again, knowing intimately, I think there's probably a big influence um, from, I've forgotten his name now, the guy who then went on to Arch Enemy. Uh, uh, Mark, Michael Emmett. Yeah, 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 yeah. There seems to be, cause, only because a lot of the grooviness of this album is something you'd subsequently hear in Arch Enemy. I just get the impression mm -hmm. that there was a big influence from him in terms of... Um, 
achieving that in this album. But the combination of it all, it's almost like a just a, <laughs> dare I say it, happenstance of all coming together of these influences to create something that was probably not reproducible again. Because um, right. this is, in my opinion, their masterpiece, and it is a masterpiece of all death metal. Yeah, beautifully said. What's your take on this one, Matt? Um, well, I'm, I'm wearing my carcass shirt today. I know <laughs> people can't see it, but um, wore it today because I'm like, all right, I'm talking about death metal. I got to bring the carcass shirt up. Rock that today. But um, no, carcass. This album, I mean, my favorite carcass album is Heartwork, uh, personally. Um, and then Surgical Steel later on because it was more. I could have bought. I bought it new. It was Surgical like a kind of, great. Yeah, it was an amazing album. Um. But with this album, I'm happy they kept a lot of the grind elements in this album. It's not as as in the forefront as the previous release, but this one, I'm happy that it's there. Because that's just, I don't know. You think of Carcass, you think of, dare I say, one of the pioneers of Grindcore, you know, with the yeah. first album. Or the album before this, I should say. Um, and... uh the reason I discovered Carcass is kind of talking about Michael Ammon. I was a huge Arch Enemy fan growing up. Yep. And and Doomsday Machine from Arch Enemy came out yeah. in 2004. I was in middle school, and I bought that new. That's and fucking great up, album, too, isn't it? Yeah, and then, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I looked that up, and I figured out that Michael Ammon was in Carcass. I'm like, wait a minute. I've heard that name before. Why have I heard that name? So I looked it up, and I discovered this album, and that's kind of how that uh, storyline went. But um, it's, again, it's one of those albums that just doesn't get enough credit for what it's worth. It just, yeah. it, it really doesn't. It really it, doesn't. It's and it, that's that, it goes back to what I, I was saying at the very intro for this series. Like nowadays, when people discover new music, often they'll go straight to online or Spotify, and it's always the most popular stuff that comes up. And mm-hmm. Carcass had this issue where their music wasn't on some of the streaming services for quite a time. Yeah. So, Heartwork is rightly. And regarded as one of the greatest melodic death metal albums of all mm-hmm. time, you know. But I remember Paul when Heartwork came out. We were actually we loved the music. We actually covered some of the songs, mm. but we were upset because Bill Steer wasn't singing. Yeah, I was disappointed with Heartwork. As great as it is, um, only because this this as I said, this album is just something else. And interestingly, the EP they did between this album and Heartwork, which was Tools of the Trade. Um, it's it suggested a direction they were going in that they went the very opposite because uh, yeah. tools of trade. And if you actually get if you um, if you have Spotify and you download this album off Spotify, tools of trade is on the end of it. That EP, yeah. mm-hmm. it's well worth yep. a listen um, because there's actually more of Bill Steer singing more prominently in that EP, um, and it almost. It almost slips back a little bit more into the earlier grindcore type stuff. Um, and so I was thinking, oh, that's what they're going to do uh, in 93. And then they went yeah, it's a total different direction, which was fine. It's great. But um, for me, I was hoping that they'd do the opposite, to be truthful. Um, do you remember we saw them in Melbourne and mm. we it was the Heartwork Tour and we met them in store, but there was rumours floating around again, pre-internet days, rumours. Mm-hmm. The Bill Steer wasn't doing any singing in the live show. Mm. And at the in-store, everyone was asking him, including us, because we met them in-store, Bill, are you singing? Are you singing? And he wouldn't answer the question. And then, sure enough, when they played that night, and I'll never forget it because we were standing outside of the, the venue 
and all of a sudden we turn around and, and the band is walking down the street towards us carrying their guitar cases. And, um, yep. Anyway, they played live. They were brilliant live, but Bill Steer didn't sing a word, so yeah. we were a little bit disappointed with that. Yeah. And even in between songs, people are yelling out, sing, Bill, sing. <laughs> but heartwork, look, I love heartwork in terms of the guitar work. It's just immense. But um, the this this album, Discanting, is, is my favourite. Mm. Uh, carcass album and the other thing i loved about this album too was the the remember the music video they did for incarnated solvent yes i think we would have watched that a hundred times yeah to the point also where we watched it in freeze frame because we worked out that not once does bill steer appear in the video from what we could tell as him we we figured he was the dude under that latex sheet (laughs) Because all the other band members are there. Ken, the drummer Ken Owens is wrapping himself up in a cord. Uh, Michael Amott's covered in like like a he's like a rotting corpse. Um, Jeff Walker's singing prominently, and then someone under a, under a latex sheet. <laughs> we figured that was Bill Steer. Yeah, but again, well, that's man. what we used to do. No internet, so we just record it on VHS, watch it in freeze frame. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yes. Um, now, Paul, do you have any last words to say on this one? Um. Yeah, this is a must. A must listen. <laughs> you just That's have to hear this. Um, for yeah, and Heartwork is a brilliant album, but to me, it doesn't have that edge, that sort of disquieting tone to it that this album does. This is the sort of album, if you like horror movies, to play in the dark and listen to it and. Just watch if something's grabbed your foot or not, because <laughs> it really is that good, and it's a complete a complete work. You know, the one song goes to the other, the interludes. It all just builds this atmosphere of callous uh, medical negligence. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> Matt, do you have any last words to say about this one or Carcass in general? Yeah, well, I got a kind of funny story about Carcass. It's um. There's a running joke between me and my fiance. Shout out to Nicole. Um, she's a she doesn't listen to metal really at all too much. I mean, she dabbles, and pretty much all she hears is probably something I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you guys know the the sitcom from the '90s, Friends, right? Yeah. Well, that's why it's her favorite show of all time. And mm-hmm. there's a scene in the, in the show where a couple of the characters are getting married or something, and Phoebe. She's like, oh, can, they're they're talking about getting a musical guest or something for the wedding. And she's like, oh, can we get Carcass? <laughs> and I t- I looked up when that episode was playing. I'm like, looked at her I'm like, she did she did did she just say Carcass? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, why? I'm like, you know, it's a actual band, right? Like that's a really awesome fucking band, right? <laughs> and she's like, what really? And I played her something off artwork. She's like, that sounds like Cookie Monster going through a brother too. I'm like, yeah, hey. Yeah. <laughs> and Phoebe, wasn't Phoebe a vegetarian or vegan or something? Yes. I think so. Yeah, that would follow what, with yeah. carcass too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So just a little funny joke. Yeah. So look, that's that's it. We're running out of time, and we've covered now across four episodes twelve classic nineties albums that oh, we yeah. really think people, if they don't know, should check them out. Yeah, they're um, definitely worthwhile. Oh, um, I just want to say thanks to Paul and also to Matt for allowing us to. Well, thanks. Firstly, thank you to Paul for all your your uh, wonderful words of wisdom as the death metal poet. Oh, I just um, I crap on, <laughs> but thanks for indulging me. And also, obviously, Matt 
um, thanks heaps for letting us take up some of your time and also for allowing us to to be a, a guest in this series on your show as always matt thank you for your support you're a legend i appreciate everything from you guys uh yeah you know when when steve brought the idea to me about doing this i'm like in a heartbeat in a heartbeat i wouldn't i couldn't say no it would be it'd feel unethical to say <laughs> no <laughs> you know and because i you know i've always had a pretty strong love affair with with uh old school death metal classic 90s stuff you know especially for more sound i mean that though any anything come on a more sound i i worshipped as 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 in middle school and high school and stuff some yeah like sometimes i wish i could go back sometimes i wish i was young discovering metal for the first time because just there's so much stuff to discover oh yeah, yeah there is yeah. oh yeah yep. especially now imagine growing yeah. up now yeah. <laughs> mm, absolutely so enjoy yeah thank you bye-bye What a couple of fucking legends. Am I right? Stephen Paul from Eons Abyss, all the way from Australia, ladies and gentlemen, taking over the podcast one more time for part four of Death Metal Diaries, and this will certainly not be the last entry into this miniseries, and we might even be doing a similar miniseries in a different era of metal, different style, different era, different, you know, decade, if you will. This was 90s death metal. We might do a little something next different we might come back to death metal 90s death metal we might do a different era of death metal the sky's the limit but uh i know we're gonna we're gonna continue the continue this roller coaster ride of uh various quotes in the air diaries uh miniseries so i'm definitely excited but before i get too far ahead of myself i want to take a moment and dedicate part four not only part four but possibly this entire miniseries to the late great lg petrov um you guys just heard in that segment there about how much we loved LG Petrov and how much we loved Entombed and a Left Hand Path especially. And it's kind of eerie to say, um, but we recorded that on March 7th of 2021. Coincidentally, the same day that the world lost LG Petrov, he, he unfortunately passed away on that same day. And I didn't find out about it till a couple of days later. And technically, it, it's weird being that Australia is 15 hours ahead of me. So when we recorded that, it was, I believe it was 6 or 7 p.m. here in Illinois, and it was 9 or 10, maybe even closer to 11 a.m. in Australia for Stephen Paul when we recorded that segment. And so technically it was March 6th for me, but it was March 7th for them, which is which is crazy to think. It kind of gives you an idea how big this globe that we all live on really is. Um... But it's just kind of eerie that the same day the world lost a legend, coincidentally, we were hyping him up as the greatest death metal vocalist of all time. I know Paul was especially. Um, it's definitely sad to hear when, when anybody passes away, but when it's a, it's a pioneer of the genre that I love, it, it, it definitely hits home a bit more. And while I'm dedicating episodes, I also want to dedicate... Uh, small parts of this mini-series to the late, great Alexi Lahio uh, of Children of Bodom, who passed away earlier this year as well, while we were kind of on our brief hiatus there. Um, another great guitar player, great vocalist, great legendary band in Children of Bodom. Gone way too soon, so I want to definitely dedicate not only part four, but this entire mini-series to those two especially. I know Children of Bodom is more of a melodic death metal band, but still, they're, they're they've inspired just as many musicians and just as many uh, bands 
as Entombed has in many different ways, of course. Um, but yeah, it was kind of sad to find out that LG Petrov passed away the same day that we were hyping him up and hyping up Left Hand Path and Entombed and, and everything. So yeah, I just want to take a moment and dedicate this episode to him. Um, but yeah, back to positive news. We got five bands to show you today on Straight to the Core. Five more bands. So certainly not the last bands you will hear in this miniseries. Once we go forward with some more episodes, I would definitely have some more bands to represent the current underground market of death metal, which is awesome. And this week is no different. Let me bust out my notebook here real quick to make sure I get everything right. I mentioned it in the beginning, but I will mention it again. The last, or the, the last, I mean, technically the last for now, put a pin in it. <laughs> um, but the five bands we have here tonight for part four of Death Metal Diaries is Lats, Last Wretch from Ontario, Canada. We have Becoming the Entity from Mexico City, Mexico. We have Symptomy, which is a combo band with members both located in the Czech Republic and the UK. We got Disburied from Colombia and Omnivortex from Helsinki, Finland. Coming at you here real, real soon. Actually, we'll do it right now. Real, real soon. Let's do it right now. What do you say? <laughs> um, so this first band is called Last Wretch from Ontario, Canada, and this is their track, Dead as Fuck. Enjoy. Let's go. 
Dude, that outro gets me every single time. I mean, the whole track is fucking fantastic. The the guitar work is is what I love the most, I think, about Last Wretch. But that, that outro just, it gets me in a fucking mood, you know? And it's a good mood, of course. But it's so angry. And it gets me in a good mood. That's why I love metal, I think. Because it does that to people. <laughs> that was Last Wretch from Ontario, Canada with their track Dead as Fuck which is track two off their most recent demo that they just released last February, February 12th to be exact. And you can find them on Instagram, Bandcamp, and I believe Spotify. I believe they're on Spotify. Search up Last Wretch. I don't think they have a Facebook page. So there's no Facebook page for Last Wretch, but make sure you give them a follow on Instagram. Show them some love on Bandcamp. The the demo is Name Your Price. It's a three-track demo. Uh, the first track is called Wallowing in Feculence. Track two is Dead as Fuck, which you just heard. And track three is Psilocybin God. And it is a name your price option, so you can technically get it for free. Um, but if you are feeling generous, throw these guys a few bucks. Uh, it's a great demo, great three-track release, debut release from these guys. And uh, definitely check it out. Like I said, give them a like on Instagram or give them a like. Give them a follow on Instagram, show them some love on Bandcamp. And search them up on Spotify if you're a Spotify user. Yes, a little, little overzealous there. I don't know what what happened there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, so four more bands to go here on part four. Four on four. Four, four, four. four. That's a good Wendy's deal. Anyway, <laughs> on this next track, or this next track, this, calm down, Matt. Holy fuck, hold on, let me collect my fucking senses here real quick. Okay, we're good. <laughs> on this next band is called Becoming the Entity from Mexico City, Mexico. And this is their track, Suspended in Violence. Enjoy.
fucking tremendous. That was insane. I love death metal, dude. I, I, I love it so much. That was becoming the entity with their track Suspended in Violence, which is track 8 off of their album Beyond Cygnus, which released everywhere on February 12th of this year. And being that it's track 8, it is also the closing track on the album. And if you know me, you know I'm a huge fan of opening tracks and closing tracks because I like how they tie the whole album together. And I gotta tell you, Beyond Cygnus is a fan-fucking-tastic album. I highly recommend checking it out. Um, And I think my favorite thing about Becoming the Entity is the vocal delivery. It's a very uncommon vocal style that you don't really hear too often and it's, it's kind of refreshing to say the least and, and the, th- the thing that I love the most is that they make it their own um, and, you know, the most similar style I could think of that reflects Becoming the Entity is Nergal from Behemoth he kind of does that that style that, that Becoming the Entity does and I think that's what my favorite thing about the whole album the band all the music they've ever released it, it's it's tremendous and if you're interested uh, give him a like on Facebook, give him a follow on Instagram, give him a subscribe, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, and uh, Bandcamp, of course, becomingtheentity.bandcamp.com. I believe they have a link tree available on their Instagram, and as always, every week, I say this every week, uh, if you're having trouble finding any band that we have here on the podcast, we always tag them in our social media posts on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's a very rare occurrence where one band only has one like last wretch which we had today they only have instagram they don't have a facebook page Uh, but if they do have a facebook page i guarantee you if you go to the straight to the court page on facebook you will find all these bands tagged on there as well as instagram if you're having troubles for whatever reason go to our pages give them a like give them a follow show them some love uh i believe i mentioned their youtube if i haven't they do have a youtube page make sure you subscribe to that um, if you're not a fan of Spotify or streaming services, they do have their entire album available for streaming on their YouTube channel. Just search up Becoming the Entity. It is in their link tree as well, I believe. So if you go on their Instagram, it'll be right there. Bandcamp, of course. Show them some love at Bandcamp. Um, and I believe Bandcamp is still doing their Friday deal where their Bandcamp doesn't take any uh, fees for using their service. So if you can be patient... And if you want 100% of the proceeds to go towards your favorite bands, make sure you do it on Fridays. And uh, yeah, fucking hey, more death metal to come. This next band is called Symptomy. Symptomy. Hope I'm saying that right. They are a hybrid band, and by hybrid, I mean the members live in two different locations. So half the band lives in the Czech Republic, and the other half of the band lives in the UK, which I think is kind of cool. So yeah, this is Symptomy from the Czech Republic and the UK, and this is their track, The Taste of Human Trophy. Enjoy. Oh, no. 
Man, what a fucking tune. What a tune. I love, absolutely love that solo in the, in the middle there. That it, it grabs me and hooks me every single time I listen to this song. It's so many, so much talent in death metal. It's insane. Out of, I mean, metal as a whole, there's a metric ton of talent in the genre. But, I mean, I listen to some of these death metal bands and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like this is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> um, that song you just heard was called The Taste of Human Trophy by the band Symptomy, and that was track two off of their recent release, Demo Number One. And uh, like I mentioned before, the track Symptomy is a hybrid location band. Half the band is in the Czech Republic, the other half is in the UK, and they have an Instagram page, a Facebook page, their band camp, and I believe that's it. So I can make sure you give them a like on Facebook, give them a follow on Instagram, Show them some love on Bandcamp. They do have demo number one available on their Bandcamp page for two euros. Not sure what that is American. I would guess maybe four fifty, five bucks. If I had to guess. So if you're feeling generous, you want to listen to some to some insane underground death metal. Show Symptomy some love on Bandcamp. Spend that five bucks and get yourself a three track demo that will definitely not disappoint you. So shout out to Sim to me for being here tonight on part four of Death Metal Diaries. We've got two more bands for you this evening. This next band is from Columbia. They are called Disburied, and this is their track, Sir Center. Enjoy.
Now that, my friends, is just some grade A quality modern old school death metal. I think about that one before I said it out loud. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. Some Colombian death metal. First first, uh, first release from this band. They're called This Buried. And the track you just heard was titled Sir Center. It is track two on their album Rituals of Death. The first release from them. I just mentioned that. Um, and it's a 10-track album. I love the album. Rituals of Death. I love the album cover. It's, it's fucking insane. It... it, it the best way I could describe it, there's like a haunted house in the background and it looks like demons from hell, like skeleton demons with like headdresses on and they look like they're doing a ritual. It's a ritual of death and it's just skeletons with horns and a haunted house and the ground's all cracked up and it it's, it's a fucking killer album cover. I'm not going to lie. Rituals of Death, amazing album. Sir Center, track two, you just heard it. Make sure you check out the rest of it. I believe it's available on all streaming services. Um, if not, you want to look it up some other ways, make sure you check them out on Facebook. Check them out on Instagram. And they have a YouTube channel where I believe the entire album is available for streaming as well. Let me check real quick. Yes, it is. They have individually, the tracks individually, or they have a full album stream, a dedicated 38-minute album stream if you are a YouTube user primarily, by all means, search up Disburied Death Metal on YouTube. Show them some love. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give them a like on Facebook. Follow their Instagram page. Show them some love on Bandcamp. The album is available digitally for seven U.S. dollars, uh, which is kind of cool because they're from Colombia. So I like how it they have it set to U.S. dollars. Because oh, excuse me, had a fucking hiccup there. That was weird. <laughs> but yeah, Disburied. Kick ass. I love the album, Rituals of Death. Uh, thank you guys so much for being a part of this mini-series. we got one more track for you here on part four of Death Metal Diaries. This band is called Omnivortex from Helsinki, Finland. And this is their track, Cephalic Fluid Extraction. Enjoy. <laughs> Oh! 
Omnivortex, everybody. Holy shit. That, I just, it starts and never stops until the end. And and that kind of, I mean, that's Omnivortex in, in a nutshell, if I had to explain them in a sentence. <laughs> I guess they, they don't stop the entire time. It, it's just intense, 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 slap you in the mouth. Doesn't even bother to, to buy you a drink afterwards. It's just go, 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 go. And I fucking love it. I love it. That was from the band Omnivortex from Helsinki, Finland. The track you just heard is titled Cephalic Fluid Extraction. Track 2 on their newest release, Diagrams of Consciousness. That was released everywhere November 20th of 2020. And I believe I said it was track 2. Yes, I did. Um, it's a 9-track album. I love it. They have compact discs available if you're a physical collector in Euros. Um, you can buy it digitally in Euros, of course. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Bandcamp, of course, omnivortexofficial.bandcamp.com. YouTube, which is kind of cool. I highly recommend you guys check out their YouTube channel because, um, as you just heard, these guys are very, very intense. And as you can imagine, with intense bands with a lot going on, there's a lot going on in the play style. And these guys have uh, multiple guitar and drum playthroughs on their YouTube channel, just search up Omnivortex, O-M-N-I, Vortex, on YouTube. I believe they have a link tree on their Instagram that has their YouTube channel in it, and many, many other links like Spotify and Apple Music as well. Um, But I highly recommend checking out the drum playthrough, and there's a couple drum playthroughs, and I believe a guitar playthrough, and I think they have an official... um, like a, a full performance, I believe, available on their YouTube channel as well. I think I just saw that in my, oh, excuse me, in my um, YouTube feed. Jesus. <laughs> um, but they do have, as well, if you're not a social media user, not social media, if you're not a streaming service user, there we go, uh, they do have the entire Diagrams of Consciousness full album stream is available on their YouTube channel as well. So give them a like on Facebook. Show them some love on Instagram. Give them a follow. Make sure you support them on Bandcamp, especially if you're in Europe. It'll be a lot easier for you guys than it would be for anybody over here in the States um, because of COVID and everything. Nothing's really guaranteed when it comes to shipping, uh, especially internationally. It's insane right now. So if you're you're in America and you feel like throwing these guys some bucks, uh, they do have a physical CD available. They have some shirts available, um, CD and shirt combo. Uh, Yeah. Definitely check them out on Bandcamp, omnivortexofficial.bandcamp.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. They do have an official website, before I get too far ahead of myself, omnivortexofficial.com, where they do have links to their Spotify, their Bandcamp, uh, the music videos, lyrics videos, uh, playthrough videos. I mean, everything can be found on their website, omnivortexofficial.com. So if you want to cut to the chase and just find out everything you need to know about Omnivortex, Go to their official website. I'll say it one more time. Omnivortexofficial.com. O-M-N-I vortexofficial.com. Fuck yeah. I love this. I, I mean, I, I hate that it's over for now. Um, I cannot wait to uh, revisit this Death Metal Diaries miniseries with Stephen Paul. And speaking of Stephen Paul, we got one more little treat for you here on Straight to the Core. I kind of mentioned it briefly um, in the beginning in part one about the history of Eons Abyss and how Stephen Paul started the band under a different name 
uh, years ago in the 90s when all of these albums that we were talking about these past four weeks were coming out. And uh, it inspired those guys to pick up instruments and start a band and start jamming out death metal. So, with all that, many, many years later, these guys reconnected, reformed their love affair with music, and started Eon's Abyss, and they released the album Impenitent. And the cool thing about Impenitent from Eon's Abyss is that a majority of the tracks on this album were written in the 90s. So, yes, Eon's Abyss is a modern death metal band, but the tracks you hear on Impenitent are 90s era official, I guess you could say. (laughs) Um, So we got one more treat for you. We're going to play a track off of Impenitent from Eon's Abyss so you guys can... If you haven't heard them yet, now you will if you're new to this podcast, especially if you're just turning in now to part four. Definitely go back and check out the other three parts. Um, But yeah, we'll give you guys a little... A little taste of Eon's Abyss, a little taste of Impenitent. And if you enjoy it, make sure you show them some love on social media. God damn it, I said it again. <laughs> on the streaming services. And uh, check out the rest of Impenitent. So, without further ado, we're going to play one track off of the album. This is called Darkness Falls by Eon's Abyss. Enjoy. <laughs> Touch the code. Yeah. 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 
the men of the hour, ladies and gentlemen, the Australian hosts of this miniseries, Eons Abyss, with their track Darkness Falls, off of the album Impenitent. I believe it's track four, to be exact, on Impenitent. And that album in question has had heavy, heavy, heavy rotation in my daily Spotify usage. And it is on Spotify, by the way, if you're a Spotify user. Just search up Eons Abyss or search up Impenitent front to back. The whole album is, it's it's fucking tremendous. It really is. And like I said, it's been heavily rotated in my eardrums over the last year and change. Um, highly recommend checking it out if you haven't yet. I know Eons Abyss has some stuff in the works here in the future. Um, I'm definitely excited about that as well. Um, but I want to give a quick shout out, some quick shout outs to all of the amazing underground death metal bands that, from all over the world, mind you, who have agreed to be a part of this miniseries, and there'll definitely be more to come. I'll definitely have more bands to showcase their talents and showcase their their fucking just creativity and just death metal at its finest in a modern sense on continuations of the Death Metal Diaries miniseries. Not sure when it'll be back, uh, but it will, it will definitely be back, and Stephen Paul from Ian's Abyss will also be back in this miniseries. So I want to give some quick shout-outs here to Grave Carver from Arizona, Dathus from the Netherlands, Celestial Sanctuary from the UK, Chainsword from Warsaw, Poland, Beekeeper from California, Virulent Scourge, also from Warsaw, Poland, Paranorm from Sweden, Casket Grinder from Colombia, Dehuman Rain from Germany, Deviant Burial from Miami, Florida, Masochist from Southern California, Carnosis from Sweden, Writhing from Australia, and of course the five bands we had on tonight in part four of Death Metal Diaries' Last Wretch from Ontario, Canada, Becoming the Entity from Mexico City, Mexico, Symptomy from the Czech Republic and the UK, Disburied from Colombia, and Omnivortex from Helsinki, Finland. And I gotta tell you, that'd be a fucking killer festival, wouldn't it? Just a death metal fucking dive-in of just underground heavy. I would fucking buy three tickets and just use one of them because I would want to support it that much. (laughs) That would be fucking tremendous. So much amazing talent. So much amazing bands. So much amazing bands. So many amazing bands. There we go. And uh, this has been a real, real pleasure to put this together, to be able to interact with all these amazing musicians and to have guys like Steve and Paul who are just geniuses when it comes to death metal. They, they they know so much about the genre, and I thought I was a really big death metal fan. I didn't realize how much there was to know about the genre till I sat down with Steve and Paul uh, to really rattle their brains a bit about the genre. It's It's insane how much these guys know about death metal, and it shows in their music how much they love the genre, how much they love playing it and writing it and recording it and I know that those guys are getting set to play out for the first time in a long time as Eons Abyss so I'm definitely excited for them um, in that moment and if I could get a plane ticket to, to Victoria Australia which I believe is where Steve's from I think Paul's from a bit south of that or north and I know Paul lives in a different location in Australia from Steve um, but whatever it is wherever it is that they're playing down under in Australia, I would I would love to go there in a heartbeat. Hell, it might even work out. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much to Stephen Paul as well from Eons Abyss for for putting this idea into my brain and allowing me to make it a reality. 
Um, it, it's been a fantastic ride, this miniseries, and we're going to do more. I know I've said it quite a few different times here this week. Um, but yeah, Death Metal Diaries definitely is not done. And we will, we will be featuring um, some different eras of metal, some different subgenres of metal from uh, different decades. Like this was 90s death metal, of course. We might do some later death metal, like late 90s, early 2000s death metal. We might do some stuff with thrash. We might do some stuff with a new wave of American heavy metal. We might do some stuff with... Who knows? There's so many different eras of metal that were so iconic to the genre and so influential to current bands of today. Uh, there could be... Fuck, I mean, there's four parts of this. We talked about 12 albums. You could easily do that with many, many other genres of, of metal, especially. So I'm really excited to see what happens here in the future but steve and paul will definitely be back here on this podcast to uh rattle your eardrums not only with music but with opinions <laughs> as well when it comes to um our mutual love of the genre i'm sure that's why you're here of course if you're listening to this podcast you obviously are a metalhead just like all of us and uh yeah we got a good good future planned for the podcast i still plan on recording a uh, brief uh, bonus episode, if you will, on the podcast, kind of where we've been since October, because previous to these last four weeks, we kind of were off the airwaves, uh, if you will, um, when it comes to putting out content. We kind of put out content on YouTube and, and stayed active on Facebook as much as we could, uh, but when it comes to podcast episodes, we didn't do much from October till, well, four weeks ago now, technically, with this is part four, yeah. So between October to... Um, early March, we haven't really done much. Um, and it's, it's not by design really. It just kind of happened that way by accident. So I'll get, I'll get more into detail on that. I think I'll dedicate a quick recording, uh, a little bit of time to do a quick recording, I should say, and, and get that out there to kind of let you guys know what we've been up to and, and what the plans are for the future here for this podcast. Um, but we got a lot of great content coming. I have a lot of things booked, a lot of things to create, a lot of things to record, um, from many, many, many amazing musicians and, and bands from many different genres of metal, because here at Straight to the Core, we don't really um, stick to one subgenre of metal. I know core quotes in the areas in the title, but that's just that's because some of my favorite genres are core genres hardcore, deathcore, metalcore, grindcore. Um, that's why the, the name is there. It's kind of inspiration behind that. Um, but it, this podcast isn't strictly dedicated to core quotes in the air genres we just did a fucking four-part miniseries on 90s death metal for fuck's sake you know what i mean (laughs) um but yeah we got a lot of things planned here in the future we got some uh a pretty big episode especially if you're a local listener to this podcast here in the illinois area um we got uh some pretty pretty big rumblings here in my local music area um I wouldn't call it local music, though. There's just some rumblings locally when it comes to music. That's the best, better way to put it. Uh, so we're going to do something special for some really close friends of mine here on the podcast when it comes to a new project in the works here in the future. Um, we're going to do a little interview, a little in-studio interview, which we haven't done in a long time. So stay tuned for that in-studio interview with some good friends of mine to talk about some great music coming up. Um, more stuff with Eon's Abyss, more stuff with, with bands from all over the world. Might do a compilation again here in the future. I know I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Uh, More YouTube content. Um, If you are 
interested in having me put anything up on YouTube, let me know. I'm trying to dabble in the video editing world. I definitely want to get have more opportunities to get my feet wet when it comes to that. So if you're interested and you're in a band and that's something you might or may not need, uh, don't charge anything for it. I just want, like I said, I just want opportunities to get my feet wet and kind of get better at doing video editing. It's just another service that we provide here at Straight to the Core when it comes to supporting the underground. And uh, I want to do more of it. So if you're interested in that, please let me know. Uh, we could talk about it. We can iron out the details and um, maybe get something planned out here in the future. Uh, but before I ramble too much, we just eclipsed an hour and a half, almost an hour and 35 minutes to be exact. Um, so I think we're going to wind down here. Thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in to this mini-series. It has been a absolute blast. Thank you all so much for all the feedback as well. Uh, it has been a real experience on so many levels with so many different entities involved in this mini-series. It's been so great. Um, to, to just The whole experience has been phenomenal. Uh, so thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for your support. Uh, make sure you give us some love on, on social media. We definitely appreciate it, especially if you're new here to this podcast and you happen to stumble upon it um, recently. And if this is your first episode, your first experience, by all means, please go back and listen to parts one through three as well. Great conversation, great death metal, great underground music. Uh, it's been great all around. So thank you all so much for being here. My name is Matt Massacre. I love you all. Stay safe out there. Stay warm. Stay cool. Stay hydrated, I guess. I don't know. I'm bad with goodbyes. <laughs> I'm really bad with goodbyes. But yeah. <laughs> like I said, my name is Matt Massacre. I will talk to you next week for another episode of Straight to the Core. Have a good night.